pause while Scott spills his whiskey on his keyboard. <laughs> this is why we stop recording in person, and this is why we need Bailey here to <laughs> make us have some manners, right? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. We are coming to you live from Scott's front porch. We are. It's a. It's a beautiful. It is a beautiful, slow Friday afternoon after a, was a long a, week. Yeah, <laughs> a very long week. A very lots of very bad things happening in the legislature this week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. This was. It was not a banner week for uh, for Oklahomans. No, some good things happened. Well, there were there was one one big notable uh, a notable event that we'll we'll get into, but <laughs> um, lots of lots of not great developments. Right. Yeah. So uh, so we are recording this as always on Friday afternoon. Bailey is uh, out of town. She's in Tulsa today and can't join us. Uh, and so it's just you just have Scott and uh, and me today, and we're gonna talk through what happened this week. It is a deadline week, Thursday. Uh, March 24th was the deadline for bills to pass out, pass off the floor of their chamber of origin. So crossover, right? So things are now... House bills got to pass the House, Senate bills got to pass the Senate. Now, Andy, if there is a Senate bill that was introduced this week that did not pass the Senate, does that mean that that bill is dead? Only mostly dead. (laughs) But mostly dead means partly alive. (laughs) Still still slightly alive. Yeah. So nothing, nothing is completely out of play uh, so far, especially if it's a bill that is favored by uh, leadership. Right, or authored by leadership. That's exactly right. And that's uh, particularly important because, well, it is in the rules that says that, right? That, that bills are dead unless, you know, the speaker pro tem wants them to be alive. And if they authored it, you know they want it to be alive. Because that is how democracy works. Right. That's, <laughs> that, if, it, if it failed to pass, it's dead, unless the boss wants it to be alive, in which case, that's fine. Right. <laughs> Everyone gets a voice, but some voices count a little bit more than others. Oh, dear. So, well, it's in uh, life. That's right. That's, that's right. So, uh, we're just going to kind of go through a few things today, uh, because I think on the whole, Scott, it's, you know, as we move through session, things do calm down a bit, right? After today, or after this week, there are roughly uh, 700 bills. I think 680 is what uh, Sean Ashley had posted uh, on on Twitter that are from this session. Now, there are some bills from last year, right? Because technically each legislature is a two-year process. Right. So we are in the second regular session of the 58th legislature. Correct. Last year, 2021, was the first regular session. This is the second regular session Thus far, uh, no, there was a special session, wasn't there? Last fall, yeah, in November, there was one for redistricting. That's right. How could I forget? Because there was a lot of hubbub about whether there was going to be vaccine stuff. Right. So anyway, second regular session, which means all the bills that were filed last year that were not yet dead for one reason or another, eligible for reconsideration or moved through the process and then didn't get killed, right? Because there's a way that, like, bills just live on without being dead. Yeah. yeah. So you, there's things you could do. You know, there's there's shell bills that that can have language inserted into them later. You know, leadership can put something, they can put it into a, a joint committee. Um, you know, now there is something, something. Well, well, let's get into 1647, and then we'll talk about how some of this stuff works. Okay, well, I, I was just going to say, like, if a bill isn't voted down... Like, if it's just not heard, yeah. it can come back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other thing is, so, when a bill gets, when a bill is defeated and it is voted down, oftentimes the, the author will make a motion to reconsider right. at a later date, which right. means that they can bring the bill back later to be voted on again. Right. If they don't do that, then no bill having the same language or substantively the same language or that is accomplishing substantively the same goal can be heard again that session. Unless. Unless the speaker or the pro tem wants it to be heard right, again that session. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's rules, and then there's what actually happens. I we mean, learn this more and more every year. Um, well, so let's actually, Scott, let's start with Senate Bill 2, because that was from last year. And that passed the Senate this year. So it was, yeah. 
it was started the Senate last year, went to the House last year, got amended, went back to the Senate, and was not heard. Just floated, just hanging out. Do we know why? Because last year it was a big deal that it wasn't heard last year. Do we know what the impetus was for it to be heard this year when they didn't hear it last year? I'll, I'll tell you what, I, what I've heard, yeah. what I think is the case. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, Senate Bill 2 deals with... Trans athletes. It says basically... Yes, transgender athletes. Whatever your biological sex is at birth, that is the only... Those are the only sports teams on which you can play. Right. And undoubtedly, our listeners have seen the tweets and the social media posts about uh, from the the Republicans, mostly, right, who are angry with this, who are... Uh, pause while Scott spills his whiskey on his keyboard. <laughs> this is why we stopped recording in person, and this is why we need Bailey here to <laughs> make us have some manners, right? <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the, yes, the bill deals with um, uh, with trans athletes, and the surely our listeners have seen the social media posts that are couching this as like an issue for specifically women's sports. Right? right. It's not coming up on the other side, which is interesting by itself. Right. But they're getting they're they're framing this bill as like somehow protecting women. Right. Like that's what they're the Republicans. Like, that's are. what the, yeah. Like that's the deal. Yeah. Is that like they're trying to. They're trying to hamstring uh, the Dems and civil rights organizations by saying this is a pro-women women's rights bill. Right. Which is just not the... There's a lot of the, a lot of the debate here that is just not factual, right? And in fact, flies in the face of accepted science. Yes. So, um, also, they're not arguing that this is... They're, they're, they are arguing this is a, a women's issue thing, but not a men's issue thing. Because, well, probably because many of them don't view that, like, gymnastics is a bona fide sport, right? But, like, there are, they're, they're trying to prevent a trans woman at student-athlete from participating in, like, track and field or those kind of... They are trying to prevent someone who was born with an XY chromosome pattern, who later transitioned and identifies as female, to participate in women's sports. Because they are saying that, one... That person would have an inherent advantage because they have an XY chromosome instead of two X chromosomes, and because they think that there is like some like danger to that person being allowed in like a women's locker room. Presumably, they don't think that there's any danger of a trans woman who someone who was born with two X chromosomes and then transitions and identifies as a man. They one don't think that person would be able to compete at the same level as people that were born, you know, with XY chromosomes and um, two, they don't think that there's a danger from that person being in the locker room. Right. So I, uh, anyway, this bill is not based in science. It's based in fear and um, political positioning. And the the point of us talking about it is that it came up last year. And you asked me why it wasn't, why it didn't pass last year. From what I've heard and what I suspect is that uh, Senator Treat doesn't actually, didn't actually want this bill to pass like he wasn't really interested in dealing with these kinds of social issues yeah however as we will talk about in a minute he had another bill on the agenda this week that was heard on wednesday night right mm -hmm. and that was a big deal and he was doing a lot of deals try just letting people say i'm like hey we'll hear anything votes, if you will vote for, for my bill yeah yeah right um that didn't work out for him in the end but I mean, I know that there were other legislators, from what I've heard, that have made deals this week to vote for Senate Bill 1647, which is sure. the voucher bill we've discussed previously and we'll talk more about here. Um, but I know that there are people who voted for that this week because they had made a deal that, you know, a bill that, that they have authored would be heard elsewhere. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so let's let's... Is it a foregone conclusion, then, that this bill is signed by the governor? I think so. So here's the reason I, here's the reason I, I, raise, I raise this question. So um, this week, Republican governors in India, Indiana, and Utah 
um, have vetoed legislation that's very similar to SB2. Um, Utah and Indiana not known as bastions of liberalism, right? Right. right. Um, Republican <laughs> Republican governors in both places, I think. Yeah, both. Re- yeah, Republican governors. Now it looks like looks like the one in Utah is going to be overridden by their legislature, but um, the, but the governors of both states vetoed them, um, citing that. Uh, they thought that this is one uh, lack of evidence for efficacy and necessity to compassion for the isolation of, of transgender youth and concern finally about litigation that that will be inevitably filed to challenge these laws i think there's a fourth that by the way is from a press release by the human rights campaign which is a national organization that uh represents you know the lgbtq uh community um um but I think there's a fourth reason that they don't list, and this is the one that I might wonder about, economic development. Right. Um, We have seen in cities and states across the country where these laws have been passed that major corporations say they will not locate their headquarters uh, in states that pass these kinds of laws. Major sporting events say uh, they will not host events. They won't host tournaments. They won't host that they, they will not operate in states. Uh, that that pass these kinds of laws. Um, so from an ec- from an economic development standpoint, you can make a strong case that this is not a good law. You know, merits of the law aside, which there are none, and it's terrible. But even right. e- even even if this is a law, even if this is a social policy that you agree with, um, I mean, there were some estimates last year. I think didn't even the state chamber come out in opposition to this bill last year the state chamber or the oklahoma city chamber but yeah i mean somebody came out with the ncaa right like hundreds of millions of dollars in economic losses um uh for the state if this was to become law well i mean to put a a very fine point on that the the ncaa uh march madness basketball tournament which is going on right now Mm -hmm. uh you know they've hosted the final four here a couple of times um have we hosted a Final Four? We've hosted regional several times. Maybe that was it. Yeah, I don't think we've ever hosted a Final Four. I thought we did once. Anyway, well, whatever. It's a bunch of games and a bunch of money. Yeah. And the NCAA had said uh, several years ago with the bathroom bills, right, like the transgender bathroom bills for North Carolina and Oklahoma, that they were not going to host tournaments there anymore if they passed this kind of legislation, which is just millions and millions of dollars of of outside money coming into our state, right? right? Like, right. And it's stupid. And it's not even just the basketball tournaments. The softball tournament, which we host yes. every year. Yeah. The College World Series is a major draw, um, right? I mean, like, it's it's policy aside, and it's bad policy, um, it's, it's not a benign thing, you know? And you've got, we've got a governor who is predicating his, you know, re-election, I think, in a big way on... Uh, on, on economic development and bring you know the, I mean the canoe thing is going to be a huge deal that he's going to point to he's got yeah. some other wins I think he's going to try and point to um, well and beside that that's what I keep thinking about is okay sports aside like that's an obvious one yeah but like businesses don't want to go into climates that are just like politically uh, poisonous right, right? And that have any inkling of intolerance towards people. And what's weird to me, I think, is that a lot of elected officials will say, oh, well, we don't want those businesses, right? We don't want those liberal businesses. We want other businesses. But that, I think that is out of step of where society is headed, right? Like, and I also think, like, it is out of step with what they're actually trying to do. Oklahoma made a big effort to get Tesla to come here. Right. And we lost for a myriad of reasons. Right. But undoubtedly, this kind of stuff does not help right. our argument, right. right? I would imagine. Right, yeah. It, you I know, mean, Elon Musk <laughs> is a weird guy, but I don't think that he wants to face the hurdle of trying to get people to move to a state that is in the news because... For all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. Right, right. yeah. No, totally agree. Totally agree. So that was Senate Bill 2. Let's uh, recap where we're at. So that came up in 2021. And it, it moved almost like three-fourths of the way through the process. Yeah. Um, and then just sat dormant. And they brought it back up this year, passed it, so now it goes to the governor. I think he'll sign it because he has because he issued that executive order mm-hmm. about um, changing your gender on your birth certificate. Right. And they he basically... Which preven- also passed this week. Right, yeah. So he had previously, with that executive order, 
prevented the State Department of Health from issuing new birth certificates to adults who who transitioned and with in the same way that you might get married and change your name, right? Like that, the same process. And yeah, so to back up his executive order, there was a bill this week to do that same thing that passed. But because he signed that bill or that executive order, I suspect um, that's the side of this issue he's on. And and I think you're right. I th- I think that he will too. I just was trying to think like, is there is there a reason that he might not? But I, I think you're right. I think he, I think he signs it, and then we'll you know deal with <clears throat> deal with the fallout. Um, well, so I think that's a good transition then to talk about the other bill that we've referenced a few times. <laughs> yeah. Senate Bill 1647. Drama, 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 <laughs> man. Uh, so Senate Bill 1647. This is the so-called voucher bill. I say so-called because Senator Treat Tem, who uh, authored the bill, insists it's not a voucher bill. Uh, hint, it really is a voucher bill. Um, this was introduced at the beginning of session. This is the bill that would allow any uh, family to essentially take whatever funds, uh, whatever funds their the state of Oklahoma uh, is using for public education of their child and apply it to private school tuition. Um, they'll let you transfer out of any school that you want to and you get the money essentially to help pay defray those costs. Um, this has been controversial since he introduced it. Um, I think the day that this came out, Speaker McCall has said like the bill's not going to be heard in the House. He has no intention of hearing the bill in the House. His caucus isn't for it. They haven't discussed it. His members don't want it. They're not going to do it. <clears throat> it's interesting um, because uh, despite that staunch opposition, Senator Treat has forged ahead. Um, he uh, got the bill out of committee. I believe this is the bill that Senator Treat and Senator McCourtney had to come to committee to break the tie um, to get the bill out of to get the bill out of committee. Um, it has come up on the schedule, the floor schedule of the Senate, multiple times. It's been posted and added onto the floor schedule, and then come down. Uh, when that happens, it usually means they don't have the votes, right? They put it on the schedule saying, we're going to vote on this bill later, uh, and then they take it down when they realize that it's not going to pass. You know, one, one uh, I think an old, uh, an old, like, kind of adage of political leadership, I've never been a polit- political leader myself, but what I hear is, you don't, you don't ever call a vote where you don't already know the outcome, right? right. You, you, may, you may lose, you may win, but you better know what's going to happen before you call the vote. Right. Um, well, and Treat acknowledged that, that yes. he does not like to lose. He does not bring things to a vote unless he knows he's got the votes. Right. But this was deadline week. Right. Um, and so uh, the bill came up for a vote. on. And, and, the, and the third thing is the governor is a huge proponent of this as well. Uh, Governor, governor Stitt is, he has the, the backing of the full, the full uh, force of the governor's office. So um, the bill came up for a vote on Wednesday night. It was the last bill that was heard. There was a couple hours of questions and debate, right? Uh, and then Senator Treat gave his his closing statement. They they opened it up, and we had uh, it was it, we pretty quickly got to a spot where we had uh, we had I think we had twenty a tie, right? Well, we had twenty three red and twenty one green, right? And then we had a couple people flip, a couple people flip their votes, and so for a minute there we had twenty three green and twenty one red fun fact bill has to have 25 votes to pass the senate the senate and there were two senators uh that could not be there senator dom uh was fundraising for his senatorial campaign um in uh, washington dc so that's a presumed yes vote that wasn't there can i interject to say he also like posted on social media that so his fundraiser was with uh (laughs) rand paul yeah senator rand paul who's a libertarian for all intents and purposes, right? And Senator Dom's post, or his thing said that Rand Paul supports me because he knows that I'm not a career politician. And What, what the hell is he? I was like, <laughs> you've been in office for 10 years and you're running for the U.S. Senate. Yeah. You are a politician. You, you are, in fact, a career politician. You're, what, yeah, you're not a farmer. Yeah. You're not a banker. Right. You're not a... If you win, if Plumber. you win your, if you win your Senate race, are you going to serve one term and retire? No, <laughs> right? No. no, you're not. No. <laughs> at what? I just. I mean, at what point do you become a career politician? If you're, if you're not a career politician, you aspire to be one. If I you, mean, right? If you run, if you run for the Senate, you aspire to be a career politician. Right, but I just, I guess, which this, is fine, but like, just own it. Right. It's not necessarily a, uh, a bad thing, right? Like, it's. I love it's, career politicians. They're better at their jobs. Many of them are, not all. <laughs> yes, I mean, but yeah, it's just like, like okay, I get what you're saying, 
But you're wrong, one. And then two, when does someone become a career politician, right? Is right. it after 12 years? Right. 14? 16? I mean, 20? Sure. My mom used to say that she didn't believe the Founding Fathers intended for people to be in Congress for 30 years. They didn't live long enough. She's probably right, right, because they didn't live long <laughs> they enough. They died at 50. <laughs> but... Um, but I think we've also seen the flip side of that, right? That we have uh, with term limits, then you lose a ton of institutional knowledge um, every decade or so. Andy, I graduated medical school and got my license in uh, July of 2011. It's 2022. You think I'm a, my career doctor? A career doctor? I think so. I'm probably, probably. But anyway, so the bill comes up for a bill came up for a vote on Wednesday night. Senator Matthew, Senator uh, Senator Dom were not there. Um, we were at 23-21 for a while, uh, 23 on the green, 21 on the red, um, but a bill needs 25 to, bill needs 25 to, to pass the Senate. I thought we, I thought we were done because when they got to that 23, uh, I forget who was presiding at the time, but the chair came on and said, uh, if you wish to cast a vote or change your vote, do it now. The chair is preparing to close. That was like 10-10, I think, 10-15. Yeah. When did the vote actually close, Andy? Like midnight. Yeah, eleven forty-five. Yeah, eleven yeah. forty-five. Yeah. So, so please, if you wish to vote or change your vote, please do it now. The chair is preparing to close. Well, an hour and forty-five minutes later, well, it's like last call, right? Like, <laughs> right. The bar is going to close. Get your uh, last beer. Well, uh, they don't do the last call an hour and a half before the bar closes. I've been to some bars that did. Well, those are shitty bars. They were shitty bars. <laughs> That's exactly right. Those are shitty bars. They turn the lights on. Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, so I went to bed around eleven o'clock because yeah. I was like, all right. I, I I watched until I think I watched eleven fifteen, and I was like, I I, um, but uh, they could they could not get it over the line, and the final roll call ended up being what 25, 24, 21? Yeah, yeah, uh, twenty four twenty two, twenty four twenty something like that. Yeah, um, um, they had a couple of people flip back and forth a couple of times. Um, some notable votes: Senator Brooks, I think, is is Brooks the only Dem yeah. that voted for it? Um, several R's in opposition, mostly from mostly from the rural caucus. Um, I suspect Brooks, a lot of people were in a lot of consternation online about Brooks. And I, knowing him, I suspect this was a deal that was yeah, brokered, right? Agreed. Yeah, so, so it did not pass. Importantly, uh, well, at least normally it would be important, Senator, Senator Treat did not move to uh, reconsider the bill at a later date. Um, so if he was anybody else, he'd be dead. But he's not anybody else. Right. He's the pro tem. So um, I suspect this is going to come back in uh, budget negotiations is my suspicion. Interestingly, also, not only was Senator Treat on the floor uh, using all the force of his, you know, relationships and offices, et cetera, to try and get this thing on the finish line, it was about 1045, the governor's staff uh, showed up, so... Well, the Secretary of State did. Well, he was there the whole time watching. And, well, and he had the governor on the phone and was, like, handing the phone to legislators on the floor. I think the governor showed up. Did, I think... I, I, mean, oh, I don't know. I, w- I mean, I wasn't there, but from people I talked to that were there, they said that um, the Secretary of State was, like, handing the phone to people, and, like, literally, it was... It's such a weird thing, because it feels like this is not how real life should operate, but, like, you know, two senators would be talking... And someone would walk up and literally grab their arm and, like, lead them away from yeah. that person to, like, yeah. end the conversation. Yeah. Come, and it was just like, is that really how apparently, this happens? This is apparently. like a middle school dance. I mean, that's that's what it looks like. But uh, I think, I think you know, this we're going to see this rear its head again. I think it's going to come up in the budget negotiation. Um, you know, I will confess, and maybe you know off the top of your, hand, your head, Andy, I don't. What is the process? Right? Like, the bill has not passed the Senate. At some point, it will have to pass the Senate, right? Like, what is the process for it to get brought up again? Um, like, I, I know the pro tem can, but can he put it on the calendar when they're hearing House bills in two weeks? Yeah. Okay. And I suspect it'll come up in May, probably at the end of May. Well, sure. As part of the budget bills, right? Because they usually run through, like... A series of bills right. that are revealed at a like few hours in advance. Right. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but like, what's the like, like, what's the like? Is there is there a motion he has to make? Does it have to go through like no, the committee somebody, process again, or he can just say we're going to vote on this again? So, yeah, it's already through the committee, so it just has to be added to the floor calendar, and that can be done the day of. I mean, like in the moment, actually, and um, and I would say, like, it has to go through the floor leader, which is McCourtney, but he's got to do it because that's his boss, right? Right. 
<clears throat> and I expect between now and then a lot of horse trading is going to go on uh -huh. where they, he's going to be saying like, we'll give you this if you vote for that, right? right. Like, and that's how it'll happen. So, tell but me. even if that's the case, it hasn't gone through the house yet. Right. Where there is staunch opposition. Now, I also think you could tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think McCall has a tighter leash on his on his caucus than Treat does. Um, really? You don't think so? No. The house is rowdy. The house is rowdy. That's that's. You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but but I think the house is rowdy. But I also think McCall throws around a lot of money over there. Yeah, but doesn't the speaker doesn't he sit on like a leadership pack with a bunch of money? I mean, yeah. When him and Canada ran that like. Uh, subversive attack against the far right caucus a few years ago. I think there's just more in the House, right? There's I mean, 100 sure. people, right? And sure. there's only like 19 Dems. So there's sure. 80 Republicans. It also means you don't need as many. No, but, well, you need you need more. I mean, you need more, but like... Percentage-wise, You can yeah. lose a bigger percentage, right? Yeah, like, but they're all over the state. You've got a lot more rural folks over in the yeah. House. And it's just... I feel like the House treats themselves and if you sit in if you sit in the gallery and watch the house is more exciting to watch like, oh there's no doubt the senate's kind of boring the, i mean for sure i guess so here, i guess here's what i'm saying right so you're you're senator treat right and i'm speaker mccall god help me and uh you're coming to me and saying hey dude like i know you've said that like you're not going to hear this but like it's it's going to come up again like i'm committed to getting this done and i say okay fine I'll bring it up for a hearing in the house, right? And I want my corporate tax cut in exchange. Right. Okay. So you give me, you give me my corporate income tax cut, and I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, yeah, school vouchers. Okay. It's a, I mean, that's a tough bargain. I mean, it's well, one it's a tough bargain, but two, if I'm a call, and you're, and if I'm a call and you're a treat, I'm saying. You've already you've already tried to lift this once, and couldn't get it done. So, like, what assurances can you give me that if I get my people in line, you're going to get it across the finish line in the Senate? And who has a better chance of getting their caucus in line, McCall or Treat? I'm going to say it's McCall, I mostly it's, because Treat's already failed once. I think it's Treat, because I mean, if here's what I think would have been different if Dom had been present. Sure, he votes for it. He votes for it, likely. I mean, there's uh, sure. maybe a question, but I think it's likely. And then s some of those folks who flipped that were, like, making deals at the last minute right. might not have flipped, right? They because flipped, They flipped twice. There were no's, they were red, then they went green, then went red again. Right. Do you think they stay green if Dom's there? I think folks like Bullard and them would stay green because they want to be on the winning side. Even... There's, there's, I think there's some, there's some power in being on the winning side of an issue, even when it passes your chamber, even if it's not a winning issue statewide, right? Because you've got some protection there. It's like the wisdom of crowds. Interesting. I'm not. I mean, it can blow up in their face. Sure. But. It's there. Okay. So then, so let's say Treat gets it together and he gets it through the Senate. Does it pass the House? Uh, not right now. Not unless there's a heck of a deal. Well, okay, let's say McCall. Let's say there's a deal. McCall wants it. Does it pass the house? I agree with you. Today, no, it doesn't. Oh yeah, I right. If, but like, if McCall if, wants it, it'll right. pass. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you're you just. I feel like you just admitted. You just said if McCall wants it, it'll pass. You if it already passed the Senate and then it goes to the House and then McCall wants it, yes, you've got the whole Senate power plus McCall plus the governor. If you're a lowly house member, you got to do it. Everyone else is on board. So you think the X factor of McCall being able to get it through the house is whether it passed, like, the Senate? Yeah, I think if... I mean, it's the difference. If it's, like, 75% done and you just have to, like, vote yes to get it the rest of the way, you got to do it. But if it's if it's McCall trying to get his caucus to pass it first and then send it to the house, I think that's less likely. Interesting. It is fascinating. I, I love that we just spent 15 minutes talking about that it has nothing to do with the actual policy. Well, this is yeah, right. 100% the like machinations of like the like politics of it. This was a small glimpse into like our <laughs> daily text yes. exchange, right? This is what Scott and I are like. <laughs> but what if, let's say someone's 
allergic to blueberries. And then, you know, like this is some of these muffins. This is how we, uh, this is how we rationalize or think through things. Well, what um, else happened this week? Uh, well, Scott, uh, what else happened this week? Today, um, there is a new candidate in the CD2 race, right? God, how many is this now? Eight Republicans. Um, so the CD2 is Congressional District 2, currently inhabited or currently represented by Mark Wayne Mullen. Yep. Um, technically inhabited, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, State Representative Avery Carl Fricks um, has announced that he is entering that race as well. So that gives us several state House members, which means his House seat will be an open seat, right? Yes, yes. And so uh, that district, for those interested, is up southeast of Tulsa. Um, it It's like the western half of Muskogee down to uh, I-40, basically. So like Warner over to like Lake Eufaula. It includes uh, 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 Carrie Underwood's hometown of Shakota. Oh, sure, sure. There's uh, where 69 meets 40. Do you There's see that uh, single stoplight town? Do you see that uh, <laughs> that uh, viral video this week of uh, her and uh, her and uh, Anne Hathaway? No. Yeah, you should watch it. Oh wait, it's not Carrie Underwood. <laughs> it's not Carrie Underwood. It's the other one, Kelly Clarkson. I get oh. those confused all the time, which I know is terrible. I don't listen to like much top 40. Um, it was not Carrie Underwood. It was Kel- Kelly Clarkson. I uh, I respect Kelly Clarkson. I didn't at first, but I do over her career. She's been really. She's. I mean, the original American Idol winner, right? Like she's the first season, and I think she's. Is she? she I mean, is. you're probably right. I she don't know is. the answer. Oh yeah, you should trust me on this. Carrie Underwood, as Simon Cowell said when she auditioned, that she will be the most successful Idol winner in history, and I think she still is. Like probably, she has outstanding talent. I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. Did she marry a Canadian hockey player? Uh, I, I, yeah. I'm, I mean, re- remembering her name was a big step for me. So Carrie Underwood. I, That's I what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I used to watch Idol pretty religiously back then. Um, I guess after she was on, but um, other than that, this week, uh, kind of out of nowhere, managed care popped up. That's pretty important, and it has far-reaching consequences, right? So, like, uh, it affects not just medical care, but mental health care and lots of things. Um, Senator McCourtney, who has heretofore been openly opposed to managed care, was suddenly the author of a bill that seemed to, to maybe propose, like, a... It's not really managed care light, but it's like a... It's definitely... I mean, it's 100% managed care... It's managed care without privatization is what it is, right? right? It's managed care where, if I understand it correctly, the the healthcare authority contracts directly with providers as opposed to outsourcing that to a third party, right? Uh, which then takes a profit off the top. Right, which that um, makes sense. I mean, I mean, it's better. <laughs> it's right. better. It's still, it's still, uh, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't I I haven't read I, I got the I got the bill text when you're, when he introduced it it's 46 pages I haven't read it um, <laughs> yet um, it's on my project for this weekend um, is is to to do a deep dive I know there's been a lot of there's been a lot of meetings there's been a lot of calls from a lot of stakeholders you know the state medical association is obviously a big stakeholder the hospital association is a big stakeholder um, I don't know how uh, I don't know how involved they've been. Um, to this point with this. Um, I think that this is, I think this is an ask from the healthcare authority to Senator McCourtney. Um, and uh, and I, I assume that some of these other stakeholders are going to be more involved moving moving forward. You know, the bill passed the Senate, Marcus McIntyre, uh, friend of the show, um, hopefully we'll have him back on, is, is, is going to author the bill in the House. I expect there will be substantial changes to this uh, well, before it, we're done. Yeah, and McCourtney said in the floor debate that like this is not the final version. This is not the bill that he 
once, mm -hmm. um, but the title is off, right? So I was going to say, did they take title off of yeah, it? Yeah, title's off. And, and so for listeners who may be new to the show, both of you, welcome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, having the title off means that like a bill is like handicapped. It's injured in some way yeah. and it can't... It, it can't go to final passage without the title on. Right. And so that's like a way that they can be like, we're working on this. And it's weird to me to be like, let's keep going through the process while we keep editing the language. Because in yeah. my mind, I'm like, why don't you get the language finished first and then send the bill through? But, yeah, so it's titles off, but it's in the House. Um, I expect it'll probably end up in conference committee at some point with some changes there. Because if the House amends it, it has to go back to the Senate. Right. Or get which, more... which they will. They will, um, yeah. And so, and he even, my court even said that he didn't know that it would pass this year, but this is this is the start of this conversation, yeah. which, I mean, I think good legislation of this size and scope should take a few years, yes, right? Yes, agreed. You gotta, you gotta sleep on it for a few, you know, dozen nights, right? Like, you gotta really talk to people and dig in and do some uh, calculations on what this is going to cost. I mean, this, this is, is gonna, I mean, this affects hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, you're billions of dollars, millions of people. Um, and it's one of those things, after, you, after you're done tinkering with it, you want to not have to tinker with it too much for a little bit, right? Like, you want to well, be... Yeah, I mean, let's put this in perspective. If you're going to go build a house today, right, it's going to take at least, like in most cases, at least six months to build a house. Lots of changes along the way, lots of back and forth, thinking about it. For one single house that costs, I don't know, $100,000, $200,000, right? And we expect to push through massive billions of dollars of impact bills in four months? No, like, it should take some time. Median home price in the U.S. is $350,000. Well, I've never had a house that much. <laughs> the house that I built was not that much. You're like, if you're going to build a house for 100000 200000 I was like, well, it, maybe if you're building in 1992. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's been 10 years, 12 years since I built a house. But also, I think, uh, I, I would imagine building a house is similar to throwing a, a wedding. It's You make the same number of decisions, but the <laughs> scale of those decisions, right? Like, sure. whether you have... 20 people at your wedding or 2,000 people at your wedding, you have to decide chicken or fish, right? Sure. Like, it's like the same the same decisions. It just, you just order more of whatever. What would you choose? Chicken or fish? If I'm buying, if I'm choosing for an audience, I choose chicken. Sure. There's not enough people that like fish. Okay. They should. Fish is good. It's under, I love good. Fish. It's good fish. If, you, if, okay, Scott, well, for you, if you're going to a restaurant and they are known to be equally delicious... Are you going to choose the chicken dish or the fish dish? I'm going to ask about the steak. Well, that's, that tracks. <laughs> I thought you might ask what kind of fish. Right? <laughs> no, I will. I'll be. I will be. I'll. I'll be curious about the. I mean, so this, this is an actual. If we're if we're actually asking the question, I'll be curious about the kind of fish, how it's cooked, and importantly, what comes with it. Ooh, like the sides. Mm. Not even the sides, but like. Are you talking about uh, fish that's served with like you know like uh, you know like a vegetable like you know a vegetable of some kind? Are you talking about chicken that's served with like a rice pilaf? Are you talking like right, what right. are you some kind of what what are the accoutrements? Right, yeah, you know. Right. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, this week I finally dined at uh, Cajun Corner on Twenty Third for the first time. Yeah, and it's good. I got like the fried trio. It came with fries, a lot of fried food, and I've not eaten that much fried food in. About two years, and I felt terrible later. It was good, but I've I... Heard, I've heard it's quite greasy. Well, it's... I mean, a whole basket of fried food is indeed... I mean, just like in general, I've heard it's... I've heard it's... Yeah, my... Uh, heavy. I had lunch with one of my friends from college, actually, from high school, um, and he got the uh, etouffee, and it looked really delicious. I'm going to get that I, next time. I do love a good bowl etouffee. Yeah, yeah. This is more of a plate, but it looked delicious either way. I mean, whatever... whatever Whatever vessel it comes in, I enjoy the etouffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plate, bowl, mug, I'm... Ooh. <clears throat> not particular. That's a, that's a restaurant model. Just a mug of etouffee. Gravy boat of etouffee. There you go. We just, everything. We should, we, should, we should open a shop. <laughs> the gravy boat and right. everything served in gravy boats. Unfunded mandate serving etouffee <laughs> by the mug. That sounds, <laughs> sounds delicious. Well, um, Scott, I think as we probably wind down here, um, we should... 
talk about some of the election bills and the uh, initiative petition bills. So we'll start there. On the initiative petition side, there are four House joint resolutions, all of which passed and go to the Senate. They do uh, a few different things. They One of them would um, change the threshold for passage from, you know, like right now, you have to get a simple majority. Sure. 50% plus one vote, right? Sure. Or we'll say 51%. That's easier math, but we know it's not that. Um, so that's what would that's what it takes to pass an initiative petition or most anything, uh, simple majority. This uh, this joint resolution would change that so that you have to get 55%, uh, which does make it higher. And I think that is only for constitutional amendments. Um, and I, you know, arguably there could be an argument to be made that amending the constitution should be a bit more difficult than it is. However, I will say it's already hard. Like that's a lot of people to get to agree. So um, that was one of them that is of some concern, right? Uh, because if you look back, as I have, uh, and I, may, I could probably even post this link to my, my spreadsheet in the, in the show notes, but I, I went through all of state history and looked at all of the ballot initiatives and there's only a small handful that have passed with more than 55%, right? So like this would essentially neuter state questions as a path for legislation, uh, which means <laughs> to say that another way, silencing the voice of the people, right? Like, right. I mean, yes. Um, the other one uh, that I'm of uh, pretty high concern is uh, House Joint Resolution 1002-1002. Um, and this one would change two things that are very important. Well, and they're both related. It changes how signatures are collected. And so right now, you have to get uh, a certain percentage of signatures... Pause for the activity bus to drive by. It's like four thirty. Yeah. Um, Never had a school bus on the street. Well, they're lost. Literally ever. They're lost. Clearly. (laughs) Um, So uh, this would change how signatures are collected. So currently, if it's if it's a veto referendum, it's five percent. If it's a statutory change, it's eight percent. If it's a constitutional change, it's fifteen percent of the registered voters statewide that voted in the most recent gubernatorial election, right? So so if, if you've got a state question right now, you look back four years at the uh, 2018 election, how many folks voted for mayor? You have to get 15 or eight or 5% of that. Uh, this would change two things. One, it means you'd have to get that percentage, same percentages, but not statewide. It would have to be based on each county. So you have to get let's say 15% of every county. So 15% of Oklahoma County, 15% of Tulsa County, 15% of Custer County, Beaver County, you know, all of the McCurtain County, all that stuff, which is much more difficult, not in, not insurmountable, but really expensive and almost impossible. Secondly, and this is something people aren't talking about, it, it strikes that clause about the gubernatorial election. So it would be 15%, it says, of all legal voters in each county, which at the least... Not registered? It doesn't say... Legal voters? Yeah, it doesn't say registered, and it doesn't say eligible. It's just legal voters. And so, well, that's ripe for a legal challenge. I mean, yes. First of all, because it's unclear, which means we have to the court to decide what that means, um, or throw it out, which would be ideal. But secondly, if it's either one, if it's... If it's even if it's registered, which is lower than eligible, right? It effectively triples the number of signatures you need, and so right now you have to get 180 thousand for a constitutional amendment. That you have to get close to 500 thousand, which is impossible. And you'd have to get that many in each. I mean, you have to get 50 percent of each county. Yeah, which is absurd. Absurd. Right. Oklahoma already has one of the most difficult, with one of the highest. Um, signature thresholds and one of the shortest time frames in which to collect them, right? Some states might require 
fewer, some states might give you more, t more time, we get hit on both. Right. I mean, and, and it's just, you know, cards on the table. This is not, this has nothing to do with, like, there's a problem with the process now. This is legislators who oppose some of the things that voters have expended, who, that voters have approved, notably uh, medical marijuana and Medicaid expansion. This is legisl legislators who don't want to see voters in Tulsa and Oklahoma City be able to set policy for the state. Well, let me correct you. Or not correct you, but let me intervene. Because this has been the talking point. is like, well, it shouldn't just be urban people. It's not. I mean, fair. Every Oklahoman gets to vote on right. every state but question. But that's what I'm saying. Is if you... I mean, there there is a thought process that the way demographics are trending, if you can win a majority of the major urban centers, then you win a majority... You, you would have, a majority is a majority of the urban centers. And what this is trying to do is create, this is trying to create an electoral college type system, right? It is trying to create a, a, a kind of senatorial system where rural voters have more of a say. Right. And they get more of a say because there are less of them. Right. Right. And that's bollocks. Well, it, I mean, so there have been challenges in other states where this kind of thing was passed. That There have been legal challenges that were successful that argued that this essentially violated the one-person, one-vote standard that we have right. in America, right? But so does the Senate. Well, <laughs> it's like, true. I mean, like there's, so does the United States Senate, right? right? Like, <laughs> um, the, uh, so I think it, it is, I mean, it's important for people to realize uh, how important this is to Oklahoma and why this is happening right now. Right. It's clearly happening because of Medicaid expansion, because of medical marijuana, because right. of criminal justice reform, right. because of legislative inaction, right? right? That is, it's really hard to run a ballot initiative. Right. I know, I've done it. It's yeah. expensive and difficult and uh, there's a ton of things that can get in your way to do it. And the only reason that we do this is because our founding fathers and the framers of our state constitution knew that the people must have this right because there will be times in the history of our state where our state legislature will not do the right thing. Yeah. And it's up to us to do it, right? Um, and then to win. And it's hard. So, um, during debate on this, I don't know if you saw this, Scott, but during debate, they were talking about it and someone said, okay, um, so let's say, you know, someone needs 50,000 signatures to get on the ballot, right? Uh, but to be safe, they got 80,000, nearly twice what they needed. But under this, they have to get a certain percentage of every county. And let's say in one county, Beaver County or somewhere, Oklahoma County or whatever that is out there in the panhandle, they, they were 100 votes, 100 signatures short the in whole that thing county. Was thrown out. They said, what happens? And the author was like, the whole thing gets thrown out. And that is bananas. Yes. Right? I mean, in that, in that scenario, you could collect two million signatures, but be one short in one county. Right. And that only, is, a county that only has 7,000 people who right. live there at all. And yeah. the thing, and this is, and this is what, and this is what, you know, I would love to have, who's authoring this one? Uh, there's a bunch of authors on there. Um, but the main guy. It's from, uh, like, he's from Ponca, right? Uh, Tommy Harden, Frank Simpson, Ty Burns, and Kevin McDougal. Like, I, you know, none of them would come on the show. I'd love to have them on the show and ask them this question, right? Like, what, what they're saying is they're saying, they're saying we want rural voters to have a voice. And we would say, they do. They have the exact same voice as a voter in Oklahoma City or Tulsa or Lawton or, Eden, you know, Enid or Muskogee or wherever. Um, they have the same, but you want them to have more. Right? right, a preemptive right. veto. Right, that's what it is. A voter in Beaver County, their vote counts just as much as a voter in Oklahoma City. The difference is that in Oklahoma County, there's five hundred thousand people, and in Beaver County, there's seven thousand people, or whatever right. there is. Right. right, right. And you don't like that, right? There's nothing unfair about it. I mean, right? If you like, live there, it feels unfair, though. Like I get it, but it doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. Right. I mean, well, what's what's unfair about it? Well, it just feels unfair. The population of Beaver County actually uh, is only 5,377. Okay, so we overshot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we overshot there and we undershot Oklahoma County. What right? is, Oklahoma, is, it, is Oklahoma County, what, a million? What is that on? No, 700,000, I okay. think. You know. I can. Right? Uh, yeah, 797,000. But, like, our, our votes 
count exactly the same. Right. It's just that when you count our votes, there are 797,000 of them. And when you count their votes, there are 3,000 of well, them. Well, I mean... And that's not good. It's not bad. It's just some places have more people. Right. Right? Like... Right. That's the way it goes. Because right. counties are just... I mean, our counties were drawn so that everyone who lived in the county could get to the county seat in one day right. by horse and buggy. Right. Like, that's how they divvied it up. Right. Um, there's a couple of counties that violate that, but by and large, that's how it was drawn. But the, but the fact that we're even talking about counties is just, like, nonsense. It is the people of Oklahoma. And if a majority of people in Oklahoma want something, like, we should get it, and it shouldn't matter what part of Oklahoma they live in. I agree. I'm with you. And another thing. I mean, right? All right. Well, uh, Scott, anything else you want to hit this no, week? No, I think that's enough. All right. Well, uh, Scott, thanks for uh, I'll say thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me come over and record on your porch. I mean, thanks for suggesting that we record outdoors. Because yes, I was nice. I was just thinking that it would be great to spend the afternoon out of doors. It is. Well, uh, weather permitting, maybe we can do it next week too. Love it. Would love for Bailey to get to be here for one of our in-person sessions. I know. I think she's out of town next weekend as well. That's why we have three of us. That's right. We get to cycle through, right? Indeed. Well, uh, listeners, thank you for being here as well. Thanks for listening week in and week out. If you haven't shared our podcast with your friends recently, please do. Um, thanks to those of you I've seen. Uh, I've, Sky, I see that you share us on, on Twitter almost every week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Other listeners who aren't Sky... Please also share it. We would love uh, love to uh, get the word out. Um, if you are interested in supporting what we do here, please go to letsfixthis.org. You can send us an email with questions or topics, suggestions, uh, outrage even is probably fine. We accept I'll, outrage. I'll, yeah, we get it. Uh, you can send an email to podcast at letsfixthis.org. Uh, and remember, as we move through this election year, that decisions are made by those who show up. That means at the legislature, at the ballot box, in your neighborhoods, on the doors, however you can show up for yourself, for your neighbors, for your state. We hope you will. Have a great week. <laughs>